Hey guys, how's it going? Scott here from obviously the uh, SPL podcast. Um, if the audio for this sounds a bit weird, it's because I'm in a tent on the south coast of the UK because I'm on holiday with my family and I completely forgot to record the intro for this podcast. In fact, you'll be able to hear everybody say hello. Give everybody a hello, guys. Hello. It's, uh, I'm just recording the intro to a podcast story. Um, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> So that's my, uh, that's my, uh, that's my family. Anyway, I better tell you all about this uh, this week's podcast. Um, we've actually got something completely different for you this week, as we welcome Dr. Randy Kurtz to the SBL podcast. Randy is a chiropractic physician and acupuncturist who's helped countless musicians get over injuries, stay in shape, and generally, you know, take better care of their health. Obviously, as bass players, we put our bodies through a lot of punishment while gigging, you know, lifting gear and all of those shenanigans. And I've spoken with so many bass players and met so many bass players who've suffered as a result from things like carpal tunnel syndrome, neck injuries, lower back problems, you name it, we've got it. Uh, So in the spirit of keeping us all healthy and gigging for as long as possible, let's find out what the good doctor has in store. Let's get on with the podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the SBL podcast. Today we're catching up with Randy Kurtz, who, if you've not heard of, is a chiropractic physician and acupuncturist. Have I got that right, Randy? Primarily. That is correct, yes. Great. Um, I first came across your work with this book about what, 10 years ago, maybe? The, the Basis Guide to Injury Management, Prevention and Better Health. Yeah, that's it. Around 10 years ago, I picked that up. Yeah, great. It's a really, really eye-opening book. Um, a lot of problems in there that I've certainly come across myself. Not always, when I was younger, thought I'd take the time to really look into that and see what's happening. And now, I'm a bit later on in my life, I wish I had done. What was your kind of background, Randy? Can you tell us a bit about where you're coming from with this? Because it's quite a unique perspective, isn't it? Being a bass player yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, it was quite organic. I, uh, I've been a player for a long time. Uh, on and on, uh, went to uh, Musicians Institute in the late 80s, uh, BIT. Uh, that was uh, quite the uh, the place to be at the time. Was BIT or Berkeley? Uh, and they were and they were kind of on equal footing at uh, at BIT. It was uh, at that time again about 88. It was the place to go if you wanted to be sort of uh, more of a rocker. And uh, and uh, Berkeley was more of a place if you were going to be, quote unquote, a jazzer. Right. So the staff, uh, my my teaching staff at uh, Musicians Institute at the time was uh, Tim Bogert, Steve Bailey, Gary Willis, Jeff Berlin, uh, Bob Magnuson, uh, a great upright player, uh, Putter Smith. Uh, and there were there were plenty of guys bopping around all the time. I remember uh, young Paul Gilbert and, and Juan Alderetti coming in doing clinics with uh, Racer X, and uh, uh, just just a lot of that kind of thing happening. Rock was really uh, big at the time, and uh, and you'd find up and coming bands like uh, Poison and Warrant and the like on Sunset Boulevard handing out flyers because they were doing the pay-to-play thing. Come see us play at uh, Gazari's or whatever it might be. So it was quite the, quite the time to be around. Um, 
so that's where I got a lot of my uh, a lot of my uh, uh, friends that are still in the industry, whether it's as players or teachers, or some guys work for equipment companies, and I'm still in touch with quite a few of them. And most of those uh, those names we just talked about are household names in, in the base world, of course. Yeah. So uh, I went into the business side of the uh, of the industry for a while. I tour managed. I worked for some management companies. Worked for some uh, some bands. Some uh, really big, so I'm not so big. Uh, kind of turned it all around, had a health issue. Uh, when I say turned it all around, I wasn't in a, in a dark place or anything. Uh, I, I just got to a certain age where it was push on in that direction or do something else. Uh, at that time, I had a health issue that I had to deal with. So everything kind of came together to take me away from the music industry for a while. And uh, in researching and dealing with my health issue, uh, I became interested in being a chiropractor and uh, the acupuncturist followed. Um, coincidentally, when I was in school to do that, I started playing more uh, and I started to get pains in my hands and in my arms and things. And I said, wow, I know what that is. And I started to to take notes on it and write it down. Uh, then reached out to some of my old friends in the, in the business, the players, and uh, got their opinion on this and their participation and uh, the book was born fantastic yeah so what can you tell us some of the, the common problems or conditions or complaints that you've you've got during your time and, and maybe there's some things that we might recognize Sure, absolutely. The most common things are what are called repetitive stress injuries, which is what the name would suggest, doing something over and over and over again. Uh, when Whether it's playing, it's uh, fretting with the left hand, uh, plucking, picking, whatever, with the slapping, with the right hand. Uh, people tend to overdo something uh, when their body's not used to doing that motion over and over again. Uh, they're not taught uh, how to relax or how to listen to their body or perhaps how not to do a certain technique properly, and they just keep going at it. And there's even if they're taking formal lessons, there's usually no one to guide them to say, oh, you need to do this or stop and do this or take a rest or do this stretch or have a glass of water or anything like that. Um, the old mentality was play, 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 play some more and then play again. And uh, and even the teachers, uh, some of the old style teachers had it in their head that hey, uh, this is what I did, and it hurt me, and too bad, you're paying your dues, that kind of thing. Uh, happily, that mentality has changed a lot, uh, thanks to a lot of uh, different mediums, including uh, your own, for example, Scott's Space Lessons. There's more awareness and more material out there for people. When I was learning bass, uh, there was Guitar Player Magazine had a column with Jeff Berlin once in a while, and that was it. There was no bass player magazine. There was no uh, Scott's Bass Lessons. There was not this plethora. There was no internet. There was not this plethora of information. You hope to get your hands on uh, on a copy of Guitar Player with a Jeff Berlin article. And then things started changing and uh, more information became available. And now you've got a uh, new generation, new mindset, new information available. Uh, so there's more of an awareness but even though there is that awareness, 
people don't necessarily do it. That's why I have a job, right? And sure. people people have to be instructed, okay? Just like you give somebody a bass and say, okay, play me uh, all the modes in C, right? Uh, if, you do, if you haven't been shown what that is or taught what that is, you don't know what to do. And it's the same thing here. Oh, do this, stretch this or whatever. So people just start doing things uh, without an awareness of what it is. So my job is to talk to people about common injuries and how to avoid them, number one, through awareness and how to treat them when they happen. Um, you asked about specific injuries and I just gave you a 20 minute talk about something else. So uh, I'll say carpal tunnel is something that is a, uh, a, right. a popular subject, right? Yeah, that's something we've all heard of, right? Yeah, well, we've all heard of it, but frequently that's not what people have. Uh, they have something coming from the wrist. They have pain in their wrist. And somebody, meaning well, will say, oh, you got carpal tunnel because my aunt's brother's third cousin had that. And I know what it is, right? Sure. And, and even, even physicians uh, are guilty a lot of times about saying, oh, you got pain in your wrist and you play a lot. Okay, don't play a lot. You got carpal tunnel. Um, Basis generally will get more of an ulnar tunnel thing that will affect the fourth and the fifth finger. That's not carpal tunnel at all. So there's different things that pop up and, uh, and uh, they are sometimes to compensate for other areas that are tight. They're sometimes part of other problems and there's just more problems that kind of stack up as you continue to play. There's a lot of different uh, uh, avenues about this. But uh, again, it all boils down to doing the same thing over and over again without uh, taking a proper rest or stretching or being ready for it and, uh, and doing damage. Have you noticed any changes in these conditions as techniques have become more advanced or, or more, more technically challenging for the bass guitar? Um, yeah, I, uh, I see two things. One, uh, which is not... Uh, so encouraging is people are playing harder, faster, more licks. And what they're trying to do is strengthen so they can do more. Uh, generally, when you're strengthening, you're not preparing yourself uh, to do more, as you would think, but taking a problem that's already existing and adding more to it. So strengthening exercises, one must be very careful about doing because uh, a lot of the times you're not doing yourself any favors uh, by by incorporating that with awareness and knowledge of what you're doing and how to avoid uh, injury, maybe by the way you hold your wrist or maybe by how long you play or whatever it may be. That's a good thing. But by and large, by itself, uh, just strengthen, do more of these, do more of these. That's not very helpful. Uh, the other thing I see, though, that is very encouraging is I see a lot of people uh, come coming into my office when these problems are just starting to happen. They want them taken care of. They say, you know what, this has been happening for a week now or a couple weeks and it didn't go away and I want to take care of it. And that's when we're successful because I can treat the problem. I can get it feeling better. And I say, okay, now this is how you're going to avoid doing this. You're going to do this stretch. You're going to take this break. You're going to have, you're going to know that this is where the problem is and you're not going to point that way or whatever it may be. I'm not changing their technique so much as just showing them little ways to get around the problem areas and what causes them. So I see that a lot. What's really cool is 
parents are bringing their kids in from school jazz programs or whatever, and they're driving them there and they're paying for the visit or using their insurance or whatever uh, might be necessary, but they're supportive of, of kids doing this and they're supportive of their kid not getting hurt. And, uh, uh, and that's fantastic. And also seeing more young ladies now. It used to be just dudes coming. Now you've got a, a lot of young ladies coming that are playing bass or, or whatever instrument, not younger ladies, but ladies of all ages. But there's there's more of a, uh, an acceptance and a, a desire to do the right thing. And uh, and that's really how we get success. Uh, the guy who's been, or the, the, the player who's been doing something in a bad way for 20 or 30 years, there's things we can do, but that's what you want to try to avoid. Sure. Yeah. So that's what I see. Do you think there's been some kind of stigma attached to these kind of stretches and exercises where people in the past kind of think it's it's uncool or they don't want to show up to a gig with doing their, their exercises with stress balls and things like that? Do you think it's something that people have shied away from perhaps in the past? Uh, I, well, I think, first of all, that the two, the stretches and stress balls and things like that probably are come a little bit different uh, because stretches it seems more like a therapeutic thing and the stress balls goes back to more like strengthening. And that's sort of a macho thing, right? I'm going to play more licks or be stronger, that kind of thing, which I'm not knocking. I'm just, I'm just stating the fact, right? Um, maybe I am knocking. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what I see happening is, again, um, people are not really caught up or even thinking about how am I going to look or is somebody going to think I look dumb for doing this or am I not going to be considered cool? Um, a lot of that stuff is really going by the wayside I'm seeing uh, anyway. And and in whether it's forums or talking to players or going to gigs or whatever, people are asking me about what to do to avoid injuries and how to do it. And nobody is saying, oh, or, or kind of, uh, you know, sticking up their nose at it. People want this information. They don't want to get hurt. It's it's not cool to be hurt, right? You can't pay your bills. You can't play. It's not a cool thing. And again, there, there doesn't seem to be this drive to be cool. I mean, you can still wear your cool shirt, your tight pants or whatever you want to do and, and stretch before the gig. It's okay. Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really there, there, the state there, there isn't a stigma. And, and if someone were to sort of uh, say, so, Oh, I don't need that. Or, or that's why you're doing that stupid or whatever. Uh, they would actually be the ones that would look foolish rather than the person uh, trying to do the exercise. Oh, yeah. That's cool. So that's really cool. Yeah. How about instruments themselves? I mean, how important yeah. is it to prepare your instrument in, in that kind of way? I mean, a lot of people prefer heavy instruments or play the higher action, which is harder to play with your fingers. How much does that come into it? Sure. Uh, that's a big factor. Uh, the, your choice of instrument uh, is, is going to define how you play and how you play is how you're going to either have problems or not. So, uh Interestingly enough, uh, manufacturers now seem to have it in their mind uh, that ergonomic, which is kind of a catch-all term, but they try to, in a lot of uh, ways, make things more ergonomic. There's a number of different things that instrument makers are doing. They're chambering bodies, uh, which has been happening for some time, but you can't do that uh, at the sake of the of the instrument, right? Like. Uh, 
for example, it's the opinion of a lot of players that when they started chambering Les Pauls, there was something missing. Okay. Uh, again, this is what I hear and this is opinion, not necessarily mine, but that's, that's what's out there. Okay. Um, the old Les Pauls were heavy like coffee tables, right? And then you've got, uh, for instance, uh, instrument, instrument makers like, uh, Sadowski, right? And they chamber a lot of the bodies on their basis, which is a distinguishing factor from, uh, maybe an old Fender style bass. Uh, and they, uh, they got it right. You get that great sound and and so people are interested in that people are interested in in uh less uh less heavy gear for example uh guitar stores are flooded with ampeg svts and and uh bigger style gear uh as people try to go lighter uh and then those those great those great amplifiers are available for the next generation who wants to lug them around but as we get older we want we want lighter stuff right and and so um that's been happening lighter speakers lighter bass bodies uh the day of the neck heavy bass uh is is not uh as much as it used to be it used to be you'd have these bases where the necks were really heavy and they do that dive and you kind of have to hold it up and that wouldn't help anything so there's still examples of that but less so people are taking uh like uh, for example their rural gibsons were famous for that or old olympics right and you've got manufacturers coming out with with, uh, with the same sort of instrument, like Mike Lull might take an old Gibson-style design and have the balance worked out now. Sure. Uh, so that's an advantage in that way, right? And again, um, uh, the, these old instruments and amplifiers and all that, they're fantastic, and they've got that mojo and they've got that vibe, but people are able to get close enough or as good with newer stuff that is tailored more to them and manufacturers are listening and providing these things uh, better than ever before. Uh, also, there, there, there are special things, uh, ergonomic style things. There's necks that are shaped uh, differently uh, or set differently on bodies or there's necks that uh, have a curvature uh, in them, uh, a design I'm working on right now with, uh, with uh, lace products where the neck actually is curved at the top uh, so that you don't have to bend your wrist as much when you're at the first few positions. Okay. Uh, so all these things are for the good and and not to the detriment of anything. It's not like uh, uh, you're gonna you're gonna have something that's gonna play great, but look you know like a toilet seat. <laughs> you know it's, you, you've got stuff that that's better than ever and uh, and people want it and it's selling. Yeah. Wow. So that's they, cool. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. There, there's no stigma that I'm perceiving. People, yeah, people why make it harder on yourself? You know, have fun and uh, and and be in good shape. What's wrong with that, right? <laughs> what would be your standard advice to any bass player who wants to just take better care of themselves? Are there any sort uh, of go-to exercises or go-to mindsets that that come to, to come to mind? Yeah, uh, awareness. Number one, listen to your body. If it hurts, uh, find out why. This, you know, no, no pain, no gain used to be a popular saying. I don't know. I hope it's not still, but it was more with weightlifters. 
but that's not accurate. We don't want pain. We want to feel good, okay? So if I'm playing something and I'm worried about getting a lick down and, and I'm worried about the music and I'm not thinking at all about myself as in the performance of that piece or that lick, and my wrist starts hurting. I go, wait a minute, why, why am I bending my wrist so much? Maybe if I straighten it, hey, that feels better. Uh, awareness. Uh, a lot of the old timers are still playing because nobody told them, don't do this, don't do that. People told them nothing. And there was no information out there. They figured it out. They go, wow, if I don't bend my wrist so much, it doesn't hurt. Okay. If I don't lift that this way, it doesn't hurt. That's good. And they figured it out. They've adapted their playing to that. Um, I think the number one thing people are worried about is that if they get into this sort of stretching or correct posture or ergonomic bag, that it's going to change the way they play. You know, musicians are superstitious, right? It's not. We're talking about little teeny things, not changing people's technique. I don't teach technique. I teach how to avoid injury, right? So it's just fine-tuning. So, it's fine-tuning, but it's awareness. And this goes back to your question about the instrument. If your action is super high, does it have to be as high? Do you, you like to dig in? Okay, I get that. But what if you lowered the action and turned up the amp a little bit? You're still going to have volume. You're not going to work as hard. You're going to be able to play more. So that's really good advice there. Have your instruments set up. Uh, I think a lot of players uh, – aren't as adept as setting up their instruments and neither are guitar stores. You used to go to the guitar store and buy the instrument and the dude would, and or the person working there would set it up for you. And here you go. How do you like that? Okay. And boom, and you're off to the races, right? Now it's here, have at it. And people don't know what to do with it. Okay. So you learn or you don't learn how to fix it or you get somebody to fix it for you. Right. But action, uh, string, uh, how many strings are you going to use? Um, how thick are they going to be? Uh, scale length of the neck. All of these things matter quite a bit. So that's part of it too. So awareness is key. If you feel that something's wrong, stop, figure out why. Uh, there's plenty of information out there now, uh, including my videos and uh, including a lot of things that uh, the book that, uh, that you show, which is now it's in a new edition, has a lot of information about that uh, kind of thing as well. But awareness is key. Thinking about what's happening, if something's hurting, why is it hurting, what can I do to fix it? And is it the same regardless of how often you play or what kind of gig you're on or, or age bracket you're in? Uh, well, it depends on where you're at in your journey, right? Some music is more aggressive. Uh, a lot of uh, players are going to uh, play their instruments much lower and have multiple strings, right? And that's a problem because when you have your instruments low, you're really bending your wrist a lot like that. And maybe you're playing metal and you're chugging away with a pick and banging your head. You're doing a lot of things that are going to build up in time and give you problems. So it's, it's about maybe lifting the bass up a little bit in that case, right? You could still do your thing, but maybe if you lift it a little higher, your wrist won't bend as much. In my day, all the instruments were up here, right? All the cats that could play 
they played up like this, right? And that has its own kind of problems too. And we emulated them. My, my first instrument, I wore it up this high, right? Because that's what I saw somebody else doing that I like the way they play. Yeah. If you watch, if you watch the history of a lot of your favorite players, you'll see that they started high or low and sort of come to the middle <laughs> as they've gone through that's their so journey. True. Yeah. So, so it's it's again, it's about awareness. At that age of the journey, uh, for for old for an older beginner, uh, I would say get lighter gear. Um, and um, there's there's all kinds of parameters too about do you stand, do you sit, what do you do then, that kind of thing. But uh, again, awareness is is key. If something's wrong, if something feels wrong, it probably is. Uh, and take breaks, that kind of thing. It's, it's a lot of it is common sense, but a lot of it is just listening to your body rather than kind of chugging through something. Um, so, so that's what I, what I would start out with. And, and then there's, there's many ways to go from there. It tends to, it tends to boil down to wrist angle a lot of the time. If you bend your wrist at a really severe angle and chug away, you're going to have problems, wrist, arm, shoulder, all of that. And what about if someone recognizes there's a problem? What are the options available to them? What kind of treatments can they get? Who can they go and see? Where do they go? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great question. Uh, well, I'm a chiropractor and an acupuncturist, so I'm a little biased towards that, of course. Uh, but also, um, you want to find somebody who has a knowledge of the body, okay? Because they need to be able to look at you and see what's happening and say, okay, you're doing this, so that's where the problem is. Uh, a lot of times you go to your primary care doctor uh, and they don't know and they go, stop playing or take this that'll relax your muscles. I'm not even being critical. That's, that's what they do, right? They don't palpate the body. They don't touch the body. They don't deal with anatomy on a daily basis. They manage colds or they manage fevers or they manage your arthritis or they manage something through maybe pharmacological or uh, techniques or they send you to physical therapy. Oh, okay, you've got a problem. You need to go to the physical therapist and you go to the physical therapist and just like chiropractors, doctors, lawyers, People who interview people, there's some good ones, there's some bad ones, right? And you may get somebody who really knows what they're doing, and you may get somebody who doesn't. If they give you a one-size-fits-all approach, do 10 of these, do 10 of these, do 10 of these, that may work or it may not because it may have nothing to do whatsoever with your problem. So I advise somebody to find somebody who works with the body. Uh, could be a family doctor, it could be a chiropractor, it could be a massage therapist, uh, it could be a physical therapist type, it could be a lot of different disciplines. But what I recommend is when you do that, you bring your instrument with so they know what you do. If they're a musician or if they know some musicians or if they're really hip to their anatomy, they can go, oh yeah, you're doing this and you're doing that and that's because you're bending this. But if you go there with your instrument, 
and you start playing, they go, oh, yeah, you're, you're going like this with your head and your wrist is bent and your back is curved. All you got to do is straighten this and do that and do this. And now we're going to work on this to loosen that up and do 10 of these. And that's going to help you. So I always advise people uh, in seeking a practitioner to or if they have one already or if they're looking for somebody to call them up and say, look, this is what I do. And I want to bring in my instrument and show you what I do. And if the person says, we don't have time for that, or we're not interested in that, or no, then you're in the wrong place. And you find somebody who will accommodate you. Because if they don't want to give you five minutes to show how you do what you do, how are they going to be when it comes time to spend time with you to taking care of your problem, right? So that's my number one advice there. Randy, so interesting, man. Thanks so much for talking with us today. Cool. It's my pleasure. Yeah, I love it. Seems to me like a little bit of self-assessment can be as valuable as spending an hour shedding and practicing. Uh, I agree. And I would take 10 minutes out of that hour to chill. Uh, know when to stop. Know when to stop and walk away and just shake it out a little bit. That's going to go as far as almost anything else, uh, even, even uh, breaking things up a little bit. Even if you're on the gig and you can't take a break, Instead of staying in the ready position while somebody else is copying or doing something else, if you just drop your shoulders and shake it out a little bit, that breaks that repetitive pattern even for 20, 30 seconds. That can be helpful too. So the warm down is as important, right? Yeah, warm down is as important, but it doesn't have to be a big ritual. Uh, really, it can be as simple as <sighs> that, can, that can help a lot. <laughs> uh, I'm going to yeah. get into this. Randy, where can we find out some more about you and what you're doing? Uh, you can find out about me at my website, www.drkertz.com, just like it sounds, Dr. Kurtz. Uh, you can Google my name if you can't find, if you can't uh, remember that. That's uh, it's pretty easy to find. My book is available uh, from uh, from my website, which I just gave. Uh, it's also as an ebook. Uh, right now from my site, soon to be everywhere as an ebook, having that made even as we speak. And uh, you can email me, uh, drkertz at drkertz.com, and I'd be happy to uh, to talk to you and uh, help out any way I can. That's great, Randy. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. See you again next week. Thanks, guys. Okay, thank you. Okay, guys, just want to say a massive thanks for listening to this week's podcast and obviously a huge, huge, huge thanks to Randy as well for um, hanging out with Nick and dropping all those knowledge bombs. As always, we'll be back next week with another uh, episode of the SBL podcast. And until then, take it easy. And as always, I'll see you in the shed. Mm-hmm.